Welcome to the Peace at Home podcast. I'm your co-host, Sinan. And I'm Jamie. And we are joined by a very special guest again. Wow, so many guests. Uh, would you like to introduce yourself to everyone? Uh, yeah, uh, my name is Rosenkreutz, and I am on the internet. Is that it? You're just on the internet? Is that well, I mean, <laughs> I'm, on the, I'm on the YouTube, and uh, I guess slightly on Twitter. Damn, the worst places to be, really. Mm-hmm. Truly. <laughs> so, Jamie, I, I always start these with, with asking Jamie questions, because I think it's very interesting to see what <laughs> information Jamie retains from episode to episode. Jamie, do you remember what we talked about last time? It was the, um, the coup, and like them trying to make a real government afterwards. Yes. I, I was really worried you were going to mention the bonus episode, what we talked about in the bonus episode there. <laughs> because I've just scrolled up through the episode notes, and there's a lot of pictures of a sex cultist. Oh yeah, that as well. Yeah, but that was the bonus. You've got to pay for that. If you want to hear us talk about sex cultists, you have to go to the bonus episode. This has nothing to do with, with the main line of episodes where I pretend to be a serious person for an hour. It's a good episode, though. It was good, yeah. Um, but we were talking about how the military government tried the partial return to democracy if you like where they had parliamentary elections but you were not explicitly allowed to uh, criticize the military coup and you weren't allowed to run if you weren't an approved candidate and that this seemed to disproportionately affect parties that were perceived as aligned with the left for some reason and i can't wow. figure out why yeah it's mm. weird i, I Never, never heard of this. I've never heard of this sort of thing happening anywhere else in the world. But you know, it's so shocking and backwards for a military like dictatorship to impose these kinds of rules. I mean, you know, not like us in the modern enlightened era where we just get dipshits to screech about you have to vote for Joe Biden on fucking social media. <laughs> it's really funny you mention that because I do have a video coming out like the weekend after this episode is out about dickheads doing that. Um. And actually, one of one of one part of that video is like for twenty minutes, me responding to a commenter who basically told me that I have to vote for Keir Starmer, and I'm like, no, I don't. I actually literally do not have to. Nah. Um, sorry. Okay, that's an unfair lampooning of this position, but that was kind of what he was getting at. It was like, yeah. oh yeah, you you say new La- you say new Labour shit, but have you considered Sure Start? And I'm like, yes, I explicitly considered that in the video. I would yeah. have been I would have been daft not to do that. But anyway, I will um, I will not be like saddled with the fucking like moral consequences of voting for that fucking turd. Manage God, your own yeah. decline. Yeah, yeah, it's nothing to do with me. So we're in this situation where we have a coup. Uh, shocking in Turkey, military coups. I've never heard of it. Right, mm-hmm. it's made up. Sounds made up, but yeah. and and we're in this situation where, for a long time in Turkey, and we've kind of not spoken about it because it's it's sort of rumbling in the background. But there are there are there are rumblings among certain people in Turkey. We might call them the Kurds. Um, they they are a significant portion of Turkey's population, and we did actually talk about uh, the uh, failed uh, Republic of Ararat. Jamie, you might remember a long time yeah. ago, we talked about the Republic of Ararat. There are all these sort of interesting small political projects that formed in Turkey throughout time, and the Republic of Ararat's one of them. And it's the reason why uh, the one of the, I think it's Ararat, the lesser Ararat mountain is now in Turkey because they sort of redrew the border with Iran after agreeing to deal with, deal with in quotes, this, this breakaway republic 
that pissed both of them off. But for a long time, there there is there's been official state policies of Turkification, which, if you're not already speaking Turkish or identify as a Turk, is probably not great. I think I think mm. it's fair to say we have things like the Darsim genocide. Uh, which involved the de- basically the depopulation of an entire province of Turkey, which understandably people are still pretty mad about. I, I- at least I hear. And so there's this um, there's this undercurrent to to the sort of 1980s stuff because I sort of I pitched it all as sort of like 1980. It's about left right violence. But there's also this burgeoning sort of left-wing, left-aligned Kurdish movement. That it, it, it's sort of the motivation of it is it's in dispute, I think, for some people. Some people say, oh, it's just cultural autonomy. And, you know, we want to govern our own affairs. We don't want a Kurdistan. But also very much like, no, we want a Kurdistan. Like, give us Kurdistan. Why are you here? You're a, you know... Like it because of the sort of the the sort of way people thought about it at the time, they're like the Turkey's a colonial power. It behaves in a colonial way. It is destroying you know the Kurdish culture to replace it with the Turkish one. You know, class you know colony stuff. I don't I don't know if we I don't know if we have a contemporary example of a country doing things like that. I certainly couldn't think of one. No, no, no. That's nah, unique, unique in the modern era. Simply <laughs> hasn't happened. No. And if it had happened, Turkey would certainly not have been a close ally of that country historically until some of its own people got killed by that government. That certainly wouldn't be what happened. So there's so, so I think I think the most famous person who's in the PKK is Abdullah Öcalan. Right? You you I think Rosenkreutz, you might have heard the name even or if you haven't I can give a I can give an overview. But Jamie, you've definitely not heard the name, right? No. No. Yeah. But Abdullah Öcalan is widely considered to be the uh sort of like the 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 most prominent advocate for Kurdish independence mm-hmm. in the context of Turkey itself because obviously I should stress Kurdish people live in Turkey, Iraq, Syria and Iran across all of these countries. So they and they and they have different relationships with each of their governments. Uh, generally negative, I think it's fair to say. Generally negative relationships. They all have their own political groups. A lot of them are left aligned. Some of them are not so left aligned. It's it's a, it's a, it's a whole it's a whole thing. Look, people are people are diverse across groups. Okay, that's 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 all we need to take away from this. But in terms of the Turkish part of this, Abdullah Öcalan is the uh, is 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 the one. And his he has a sort of nickname in which is Apo, which is the short form for Abdullah, but it's also um, Kurdish for uncle, which I think is a very uh, <laughs> a very nice convergence there. Actually, um, <laughs> he also like because my granddad is called Abdullah, so I have heard people call him Apo, and I'm like, ah, yeah, that doesn't doesn't quite doesn't quite land the same, I guess. When it's not, uh, when it's not like that. But he, um, so for people wondering what what Abdullah Jalan's up to now, being in prison, uh, that's what he's up to. So that, uh, and also, as if funnily, we were talking about this has never happened in another country ever, uh, with the assistance of the intelligence of Israel. In fact, that mm. Turkey collected him. It was weird. I, it's it's so strange how all of this happens. Um, 
it's 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 weird how all of these interests align. Um, so we have Abdullah Öcalan is probably quite um quite an interesting character in himself. Uh, he was politically active in sort of the broad left circles we talked about in the seventies. So you know your sort of like radical left movements. Uh, I believe he was arrested for be for distributing a leftist newspaper. Uh, aligned to a group that was led by uh, a guy called Dor Perinchek, who is an entirely like episode of his own. He has held every single political position it is possible to hold in Turkey, ranging from like Maoist to like AKP supporter. Hmm. Um. There's a there's a British character I compare him to, which is George Galloway. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Jamie, you'll remember this guy. I showed you the picture of him, and you said he kind of looks like a Turkish George Galloway. Yeah. But I will find the picture, just so, <laughs> just in case. I, I guess I'll find a picture of Dor Perinchek and then a picture of George Galloway for Rosenkreutz, because I don't know if Rosenkreutz knows who George Galloway is. But yeah, that's Dor Perinchek, who famously sued the entire country of Switzerland for his right to deny the Armenian genocide. So, you know, he's a cool guy. I typed in George Galloway and it immediately came up with George Galloway cat. And I'm incredibly <laughs> unhappy about that. Just, just furious that that's what came up. I mean, he looks slightly more cheerful than uh, Dor Perinchek, even. But I guess George Galloway is Scottish, so. But yeah, that's him. Yeah, this this is the same type of guy. This is the same type of political guy. That they're, they're um, I guess they're both kind of like, what's what's the nice way to put it? Um, they're. I don't want to say national socialists because he's the kind of guy who went from like being in labor uh, to shifting to like being on GB News. Oh, George Galloway, yeah. So George Galloway got kicked out of labor for um for basically opposing the Iraq War. They say it's for other stuff, but it was for opposing the Iraq War, which mm, is yeah. the one thing he got absolutely fucking correct. By the way, like, like, and he's just been riding off that for twenty plus years now, which is ridiculous. You don't give a podcast. That, but- <laughs> I, George Galloway might. I think George Galloway has a show on Russia Today. He might still have a show on Russia Today, actually. That's a podcast a for cat? a certain set of politicians. Yeah. Um, he's he's a whole. It's a whole thing. Whereas Dor Perinchek, um, yeah. So like George Galloway's become the sort of like anti woke leftist, leftist in quotes mm-hmm. type thing. But really, it's about like British. It's sort of like a British attempt at that patriotic socialism thing that like briefly emerged out of america but because it's british no one under the age of like 60 is interested in it so mercifully no twitch streamer has picked up on it and started like doing weird (laughs) ceremonies where they salute the queen and stalin at the same time or something just a just a bizarre set of people the patriotic socialists they're just so bizarre yeah. Like I just I cannot I cannot stand these people. But actually, Dor Perinchek literally led a party that was called like the Patriotic Party. Mm-hmm. But and, like, but yeah. was he ever a cat boy? No, Dor Perinchek yes. is never. And I, I well I don't know private life. It's whatever. But like Dor Perinchek is really uh, litigious, so I can't say what I actually think about him and his political career uh, <laughs> on a public forum because he absolutely is small time enough to sue me if he runs into it randomly. Bold so enough to be gonna... litigious. After getting sued by all of Switzerland, or he sued all of Switzerland? No, he sued all of Switzerland. Okay, so yeah, that's perfectly in his in his wheelhouse, I suppose. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, if he got sued by Switzerland, it would be very bizarre. But it was like one of the weirdest court cases I've ever seen. Just genuinely bizarre, where he's like, actually, my uh, freedom of speech does in fact cover the right to be racist. When like, that's a very like American sort of understanding of freedom of speech and not how it works in Europe at all. I feel like I see people on in the UK who will specifically be like, what what about my free speech? And I'm like, how are you guys? How 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 in the world is there a bunch of sovereign citizens here? You guys don't have a constitution. Magna Carta. It's the Magna Carta. Yeah. I don't like, think you can cite what, the Magna Carta for free speech. You, no, no, no. You absolutely can. Like, this, no, you can't. But like, you can't yeah. in reality. But like, these stop people, people do. Yeah, yeah. Like, just to be clear, you're right. You're absolutely correct. People still do it. And uh, in fact, I think um, friend friend of the show who's an accountant has mentioned that clients of his have decided they're not going to pay tax because of Magna Carta. And it's like, what well, that thing? good what luck that with thing that, during, guys. During lockdown where someone got fucking done because they like kept their business open or some shit during lockdown. Oh, and then so try many. to just try to just claim Magna Carta as the defense. Yeah, so many. Wouldn't you it, have to like, be a baron multiple. for that to matter? Yes, it, it applied <laughs> to like 42 people who were alive at the time. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's not, it's not like, it is n- like, Ah, uh, it's one of these things where I don't want to get into it because, like, the second you start getting into it, you start like, you just can't get out. But like, yeah, mm-hmm. you can't use the Magna Carta like that. If you're listening and you think you can use Magna Carta like that, you can't. It doesn't work like that, and it is not the basis for like a lot of modern British stuff, as people seem to. It's it's just not. It's just apparently not though. Apparently, it has quite a high success rate if you try to use it to get out of like being stopped by the police for traffic reasons. <laughs> yeah, I'd yeah, probably just confused. Trying. British yeah. police are just incredibly lazy. Yeah, they're very stupid. Like, so I think someone did try to pay with a commemorative coin at a petrol station and cited Magna Carta as their justification. <laughs> like, there is an entire genre of YouTuber, and I'm sorry that we've derailed so horribly from what is a serious topic, but there is an entire genre of British YouTuber who goes around, like, claiming Magna Carta for stuff, like, being able to record videos outside police stations and stuff called yeah. audit YouTubers, and they are the strangest group of people in this country embarrassed by some much by some mu- it's incredible it's incredible to have this have it have somehow have a stranger subculture than like british politicians among the general public but we do we just do which it's uh, uh i i i'm just taking psychic damage from remembering when i saw a an audit youtuber in the city where i live trying to audit the postman for, for collecting post out of the post box and it's like, what do you think the guy's job is? What do you think it is? Just tell me. <laughs> like, you just want to see, I just want to, because he was young. He was younger than me. So I'm like, what, why are you doing this? Why can't you just be normal? Can't go to the pub, you know? <laughs> just do something normal. Just get a hobby. There are plenty of board game cafes in the city where I live. Go to Warhammer World, <laughs> you know? A, a, pl- a place that I go to far too often. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you would never guess. No, you would never guess. No, it's not why I moved here, but it is. Um, it is a nice bonus, at least. Like, just just do something else. There's plenty to do, you know. Um, but anyway, back to uh, back to Kurdistan. Uh, so, people like Abdullah Öcalan and sort of the top brass of the PKK, who I'm gonna just sort of say, PKK is an abbreviation for the Kurdistan Workers Party. Uh, and they are sort of the main armed group on the Kurdish side of this equation in Turkey specifically, and a little mm-hmm. bit in Iraq, but not really in Iraq. 
they sort of use northern Iraq to operate against Turkey, which is why the justification for why Turkey is apparently occupying part of Iraq. It... Glad you explained that because I thought it was uh, James Bond's gun. No, <laughs> it's, well, is it? I don't watch enough James Bond to really. Anyway, I, if you told me that, I'd believe. Is what I'm kind of getting at there. All right, well then it is. Okay, it's well, a PP7. The, right. I I don't know what it is now, but it, in in the eighties it was always a PPK, which was ah. the joke there. You say. Ah, right. Well, I didn't know enough to. Sorry, Jamie. It was really funny. If it makes yeah. you feel better, yeah. <laughs> Would you get someone old on here? Yeah. Oh well. Would we? Do we know any old people? <laughs> uh, Doctor Arnold's probably the closest to your age. Now I think about it. Oh well, there we go. Yeah. Get her on. Um, she'll she'll know what you mean. Um, <laughs> but yeah. So they a lot of their top brass were involved in those leftist groups in the sixties and seventies. You know, like um, like the uh, fantastically named Confederation of Debate Societies, which. Um, which just sounds like a Twitch streamer thing now I think about that's, it. That sounds just like an ANCAP nerd country. Ah, right. But it did become the uh, Revolutionary Youth Federation, or mm. Devgench in Turkish. It's very, um, have a very nice uh, anthem as well uh, that, it, that instructs the listener to collect a gun and get ready to start shooting people, basically. Nice. Mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. it's uh, maybe we'll maybe we'll throw it in at the end of this episode. I, well, actually, probably inappropriate. I should probably <laughs> find some PKK music to uh, put in. But um, yeah, the the version I'm thinking of is sung by a group called Grupiorum, who are um, like a leftist collective music group that are very popular in Turkey, who got all of their instruments smashed by the Turkish state and uh, recorded a version of one of their songs with the broken instruments. That's actually really good. Nice. There you go. There's there's my pop culture recommendation for the day. So a lot of them, so for some reason, a lot of these Kurdish people, who a lot of whom went to university and stuff, they did not side with the right wing in Turkey. Uh, mm-hmm, for some reason, mm-hmm. it was weird. Shocking. Yeah, for some never heard of reason. this before. A marginalized yeah. group being left leaning. Yeah, right. Like, and and so they, as was the sort of fashion at a lot of the universities in Turkey, because a lot of them were sort of. I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to like give credence to this idea that like you know universities are like breeding grounds for left wingers. But it just was the case that there was a lot of leftist thought being generated at Turkish universities at the time, and a lot of it was just like there's a reason why like all of the like famous Turkish leftists from this time are engineers. Mm-hmm. You know, they went to Middle East Technical University or Istanbul Technical University. There's a reason why that happened, right? Um, they're all engineers. Or some of them are like lawyers, I guess, but like most of them are engineers, and I guess engineering helps when you're doing certain activities. <laughs> um, if you like, babobage. Yeah, it's it's yeah, and you, yeah, but you know, it's a nice it's a nice thing to know. But a lot of them were involved in these leftist groups, which makes a lot of sense, and that kind of feeds into why, because like in Turkey at the time, there was a lot of the leftism in Turkey is is what I would sort of describe in a very simplistic way as Maoist, like Marxism, Leninism, Maoism, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now there are like groups within that and there are Mar- there's a minority sort of Marxist-Leninist faction and there are sort of... So the Marxist-Leninist-Maoist faction is more... becomes Hojeist later, you know, Sino-Soviet split, all of this stuff, mm-hmm. becomes Hojeism because it's sort of an anti-revisionist Maoism. To, to really, really oversimplify, because people are going to get really mad at me for simplifying that much. I know. I, un- I get it, right? 
but they they sort of do this and the pkk now people sort of look at the pkk and they look at sort of these kurdish leftist groups like the ones in syria uh as like sort of like libertarian socialist anarcho-socialist sort of like anarchist sort of local community community sort of things mm-hmm. uh, that was not the character of the pkk early on it was a marxist leninist group were these groups ever like transnational in that they would like reach to the other pockets of kurdish people in the other countries around them Good question. Yes, actually. Um, a lot of the time. Uh, so the PKK, for example, uh, quite early on would sort of interact with, I'm going to get the party specific party name wrong, because there, um, because there are a lot of Kurdish political parties in uh, Iraq at the moment. I think it's the Kurdish Democratic Party, uh, the Barzani Party, whichever one Barzani, the Barzanis are uh, aligned to, they would sort of, they negotiated with them and they negotiated with Syrian uh, Kurdish groups in Damascus, actually, specifically, because that relationship is itself, uh, has evolved over time mm-hmm. and was not necessarily as oppositional as it was at times recently. And so they were able to meet openly in Damascus and talk about like hashing out ideological issues and like issues of cooperation. Part of the reason why the PKK are able to operate in Iraq is because of this long-standing arrangement made with the Barzanis and so on in northern Iraq. So that's that's so they were so they could basically leave Turkey to go there to hide from Turkey because mm-hmm. Turkey you know entering Iraq at the time you know it, it wasn't it was a different time you didn't just invade Iraq back then you know. You didn't just do that. You had to, like, actually communicate that you were... And also, Iraq was a vaguely Soviet-aligned sort of... You know, it, it's a whole thing. Like, mm. it, would, it would have been inflammatory in a way that Turkey could not have got away with at the time. And so, yeah, they, they did reach out to each other. And, there, and there's sort of this current thing in Turkey and among sort of, like, the sort of Turkish state where they say, like, the YPJ... I want to say it's YPJ or YPG. People are going to have to forgive me because there's, like... again a lot of groups involved here i think it might be it might be both in this instance uh but they consider them to just be the pkk like ideologically similar um you know kurdish cultural autonomy independence mm-hmm. uh you know say a lot of the same people train them so you know they're like okay so these are the same we treat them as functioning the same they're not they are different groups uh and they have different sort of modes of operating and even quite different specific politics and areas that they operate in. They do cooperate, I would suppose. I would suppose they do. There is a history of this cross-national cooperation. There's a reason, uh, there's a reason why Turkey and Iran, uh, despite having like quite ideologically opposed sort of like state ideologies, you know, because Iran has the Islamic revolution. It's all, you know, that is sort of ulema in charge, the Islamic clergy, whereas Turkey is very much historically and still kind of, you know, like Kemalist, secular, mm-hmm. but they they do cooperate on this issue, and they they do co- and you know it's a it's not like so like recently there was an incident where Iran fired into Pakistan and Pakistan fired into Iran and they both went no no we were targeting Balosh nationalists right mm. they 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 do that but like in an officially sort of like they don't they, it doesn't escalate because they both kind of cooperate they get suspiciously it. they know each other yeah yeah. yeah. And same, and incidentally, it's kind of the same, usually the same with Pakistan and Iran. It's just that it just didn't play out like that this time. Just, just sort of as a, as a sort of an aside. 
But yeah, so there is this history of like cross-national cooperation, particularly between Iraq and Turkey and Iraqi and Turkish groups, because that's where most of the Kurds live. Mm-hmm. Just sort of proportionally, they mostly live in Turkey and in Iraq. There's a little and bit like of Syria, Mosul, a little right? bit in Iraq. Yeah, yeah, Mosul. I mean, Mosul itself is just like a flashpoint in so many ways, because Mosul was a very diverse city. I think it still is quite a diverse city. And the thing is that there are Turkish minorities in Iraq and Syria. Mm-hmm. Uh, they call themselves Turkmen. Um, because it's, when you're outside, if you're a Turkish, like you speak Turkish, like the way that my parents speak it, but, you, but you're outside of Turkey, you're Turkmen, you're not Turk, right? You're sort of a separate group. And but they, not Turkmeni. Um, yeah, no, not Turkmeni, because yeah. Turkmenistan is its own thing, and yeah. Um, it's all exonyms anyway, they're not, they're not mm-hmm. like names that these groups, because they all call themselves Turks anyway. Yeah. They're, they're not names that they call themselves anyway. But it would just be confusing if we were calling like people in Kyrgyzstan Turks, and also people in Turkey Turks, because it would just be very confusing, I think. But yeah, uh, so th- but there are a lot of them, and they sort of want I'll find that there's a map. Of course there's a map, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) But they have the sort of own designs on Iraq for an autonomous region of their own. And it does include Mosul. And this was uh, when the uh, Iraqi Kurdistan sort of regional government, autonomous government, were sort of doing, dealing with ISIS at the time. Mm -hmm. There was quite a big flashpoint between them and the central Iraqi government because obviously the Peshmerga, which is their militia, military, quite well trained actually, uh, pushed back ISIS. They were the only force that ISIS didn't really win against in Iraq for a while. Sounds and familiar they... to Syria. Mm, yes. Yeah, well, yeah. And a lot of this is because they sort of have been fighting against state militaries. So then, mm-hmm. so ISIS is not, you know, was not, is not a state military. It's like how when Turkey entered Syria, ISIS pretty much immediately melted away because ISIS were. Like and this is maybe like not not maybe a bit oversimplifying, but my the things I read about ISIS was that most of their like ground troops were like coked up office workers from France. They were not like soldiers in any yeah. meaningful way. So the radicalized internet you, guys. Yeah, and as soon as you fight the Peshmerga, the Peshmerga is not a joke. They will fucking kick your head in if you're just like a random dude from France or Germany who's on cocaine with an AK-47. You got no shot. They have tanks, they have armoured personnel, you know, they have armoured mm-hmm. personnel vehicles. Like, it's all sorts of stuff. You can't deal with it. But yeah, so there's this... I'll, I'll get the map up of what the uh, what the uh, Turkish... The Turkmen in, um, in Iraq seem to think is their natural territory um, that, they, that they deserve. But here's the map in the, uh, in the thing. For those of you wondering, it's just a solid chunk of the middle of Iraq that they think uh-huh. is their land. Why is it like a line across the whole goddamn? Because that's where they believe that's like they the live. Belt. Yeah, yeah, that's that's like where. And it, it, to 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 be fair, there are a lot of um, like Turkish speaking sort of people in Iraq. They do not. I do. I don't think they live in like like in some of these southern places. I think that's just sort of like Turk brain taking over. Kerkut, maybe you know a little bit. Arbil is the capital of the Iraqi Kurdistan. I don't think that's going to work well. Mm-hmm. If you, but you, but you, you get the picture. There's, there's this, there's this whole thing. So there is even like a cross-border Turkish thing, Turkish nationalist thing going. Well, big brain move. Turkey takes that, and then the Kurds take all of it once it's been like a little bit more conglomerated. 
there you go yeah 5d 5d chess yeah damn okay we've so we've solved the middle east there (laughs) one weird trick but yeah so there is there is this cross-border cooperation and also uh it's sort of if you want the sort of contemporary political angle of this turkey has absolutely armed the turkish minorities in syria and iraq and mm-hmm. basically organized them into militias to occupy territory on their behalf. But, you know, it's not occupation because they're from there, but it, it is. That's what it is. Like, they are, they are collaborating with Turkey to occupy these territories. Mm-hmm. That's, just, that's just true. Um, <laughs> just... So I, I sort of mentioned this sort of analysis that, that emerges from... Uh, from sort of like the leftist thinking of the time in Turkey, which is that Turkey is sort of it's 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 a colonial project behaves like a colonial project, mm-hmm. and that obviously appeals significantly to the Kurds who, you know, have experienced a colonizing project. So in the 30s, we talked about like Turkification, like you know you have to have a Turkish name. You can't have you can't have like certain letters in your name in Turkey, mm-hmm. for example. Can't have WRX. WRX doesn't exist in Turkish. Does exist in Kurdish. So, I'm and I'm not saying that's like a deliberate thing. The Turkish language just does not have corresponding sounds that align with those letters. That's you know. If you're not allowed, if you're not allowed X's, like X's don't exist in Turkey. What were the nineties mm. like? <laughs> oh, they weren't very extreme. <laughs> no, no. Um, it's a it's mild kind of decade. Like how, it, it's it's kind of like how in Turkey, Turkey's the only country where taxi is spelt differently. Because it's spelt T-A-K-S-I. I was going to say, you can do like a K-S for a lot of the X's. Yeah, that's, yeah. That is, that is, that is what they do, yeah. Do um, they have X-Men how... over there? Yeah, of course. What well, you said that the, you said that they... they... Call them X-Men. <laughs> K-S-Men. <Yeah. laughs> K-S-Men, the Keir Starmer men. Oh no. <laughs> It's all gone horribly wrong. Well, you said that the, the leftists were, were going from being Maoists to Hoxhaists, but then how would you spell that? Well, no, but that uh, was the Kurds, so they have the X. Actually, a lot of it was the Turks as well, but because Hoxha, it's spelled, like, it's, it's H-O-C-A, because that X is a J sound, you know, so yeah, Hoxha. Yeah. yeah, so they, there's a Hoxhaist. Um, and my, yeah, my mum loves that guy. God. Um. Growing it's the up bunkers in my house, guy, right? Yeah, it's the bunkers guy. But like the thing about the bunkers that gets me is if you were like it's not even that he was like convinced the West were gonna invade. He was pretty convinced Yugoslavia was gonna invade at one point. So like That's the West. Kind of. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> to sort him, of like Westward. Like cent- I would call it sort of like in the vein that I would, you know, center left. Center West, if you will. <laughs> you <laughs> know? That's what I would call how I would describe Yugoslavia's alignment. Um, especially, I mean, I I wish I had a bunker. Oh yeah, the two ideal places for the two ideal places for me to live are a bunker or a wizard's tower in a frozen wasteland. Those are the two the two dream homes. If you play your cards right, you can get like a a a doomsday prepper house in the U.S. from like the 1960s. That's just got like a regular backyard with a kind of a hill in it. And you're like, that's a weird hill. And then you go around the side, and you're like, oh, there's like a concrete entrance to this thing. Nice. Oh wow. Yeah. Yeah, Americans... Uh, you live like yeah. some kind of like, fucking apocalyptic hobbit? Yeah, you know. <laughs> the Shire, but it's all bunkers. <laughs> this is why the Fallout game series is still very popular in the US, because we yearn for the bombs. 
Yeah, I feel like that's not a good cultural drive for the world's largest superpower to have. Now I think about it, it doesn't make me feel exceedingly comfortable about you know, anything going on. What'll make you extra comfortable is that the nuclear codes and all of the um, machines that are used to like keep track of how many nukes there are and like all the bases that are in North Dakota, they're still on like floppy disks. They can't oh, change course, yeah. the technology because it's integrated with something that they can't ever take down for maintenance because if they do that, well, you know, what if someone finds out and fires the nuke at them? So yeah. they're just still running it all off of floppies. I mean, that's good, really, though, because yeah. if they could take it down for maintenance, the whole thing would be powered by ChatGPT by now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, don't. I, 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 I did my video topic poll for the YouTube videos and they want me to do AI. I'm just going to. I might just get ChatGPT to write it now at this point. <laughs> see yeah, it's if they catch on. So, yeah, see if they catch on. I would never actually do that. That's that's such a boring and so, it's such a such a like trite thing to do. I'm not going to do it. But I did. I did think it's, it would be it's funny such a trite to thing to do, of... and also it would make you more money, probably. Yeah. Well, fucking hit the world. Tend to go hand in hand sometimes. Yeah. yeah if, I, if I was in it for the money, I mean, I, I could have done yeah. all sorts of different things by now. <laughs> you know. You could have done the other side of having Crusader in your name. Oh, God, no, please. <laughs> people, people do genuinely fucking misunderstand that. Like, my partner's co-workers were like, are you sure your partner's not like a secret Nazi? And they're like, watch the videos. <laughs> it's going to come across really clearly that that's not the case. I have a very similar problem where I think there's like a there's like a 60-40 on people looking at the name. And most of the time, Okay, 90% of the time it's completely normal, but of the 10%, there's a 60-40 of, like, 60% people being like, Rosen, huh? Are you Jewish? Mm. And then the other half being like, Kreutz, huh? Kreutz. Like a Balkan Kreutz? Are you a Nazi? And I'm like, God damn it. I, genuinely, the one that did come to mind when I first saw your videos was Kreutz, and I was like, I'm probably just being paranoid. It looks like a normal video. And it was fine. It's okay, but like the Crusader thing really does evoke the uh, the Daily Express vibe, I guess. Mm -hmm. And I feel like maybe as a joke, I should just do like the worst, the best newspaper in Britain as a video, but just rant about how shit the Express is. Just just do like a five minute segment on how dare they ruin the Crusader. You're the, you're the EDL's Crusader bravest thing. little toaster. Yeah. <laughs> oh God. But yeah, so uh, so I should say that like back. To I'm the just top. trying to find something to check if it was from the Express or not. Um, oh, okay. All right, we'll wait and see if this is from the Express. But I'm I'm excited to find out. It's not that. Yeah, I've it been... was. It was. It was oh, the no. um, the comment a commentary that we did last week on Praxis Cast. Um, I finished with the one, and I'll just give you the headline rather than read the whole quote. But it was from the it was from Alex Story in the Express, and the headline was "Who will free us from apartheid Britain?" <laughs> oh and no! If it's you're Nelson wondering, Mandela. if you're wondering, well, that yeah, the, the final line of his like of his thing was, "We the many, tied as we are to this apartheid state, can only hope and pray for our own Mandela." But he's talking about like um, uh, people being forced to like put up with like uh, diversity and genders oh, oh dei God. yeah, yeah that's, that's oh yeah, yeah apartheid e but the dei at the end or something instead of ide no yeah he, um no he he referred to the 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 di the dei cult but he reverses the i and the e because he's quite mm -hmm. clever like that you see uh, right. oh he really does that joke cool i mean i could yeah. read them yeah, yeah. i mean <laughs> the, thing, the thing about the british commentary is they will. They, if you make a joke about something they do, they will just do it. 
Like there's no yeah. there's no there's no level to which they mm-hmm. can be parodied. There's no point. Like it's just it's just it's just yeah, it's the bottom of the barrel, but it, but if it's just the, if that was just the entire barrel. That's all it is. I fucking hate the express. I hate every British journalist at the moment. God damn it! But I. But yeah, back to the topic. Back to the topic. We're, we're being we're being very serious. I think it's here. the express that actually has um, Anne Whittacombe as a columnist now. God, not Anne Whittacombe. Has Anne is Anne Whittacombe the one who's like celibate? Yes. Yeah, she's also the one who got fucking nuked from orbit by John McDonnell back before he melted. Yeah. Because because she because um. Because I remember it was a really good clip. It was 2017 election night, and John McDonnell, obviously, because he was like the edgier Corbynite, right, went on the Channel 4 election night. Like, fucking who cares, right? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> but there was Anne Widdicombe there. So it's all of all the leading lights. And she was like, I don't have a count to go to. And then John McDonnell was like, yeah, there'll be plenty of Tories without counts to go to at the next election. <laughs> and just walked out. And everyone was just like, oh, what a sick burn. I'm like, oh, man, if only. Yeah, what might only- have been, eh? Yeah, well. So, but back to the eighties. So there's so in the, so I should say there's there's this history of depopulation in the Turkish southeast. There are lots of still abandoned villages. I remember like when I was young, younger, uh, there was there was a BBC sort of thing uh, back when people were like really interested in Turkey because it was sort of viable for it to join the EU for like this brief period of like two three years. So there's a lot of press interest in Turkey. What's it like? You know, is it changing? Is it changing well? What's this Erdogan guy about? And back then, the thing that was with the Erdogan guy was that he was sort of like a progressive conservative reformer, you know, you know, liberalizing the society, but doing conservative economics and all sorts of horrible Like a classical liberal kind of guy. Yeah, that was kind of, that was, so like his initial appeal was, he won his first government off the back of Turkish liberals. Mm-hmm. That is the constituency, that, and then he told them to go fuck themselves. Yeah, which, it all like, went wrong. It all went wrong when he found that ring in a cave. Yeah, well, yeah. That's, oh no, we can't go back to talking about the golem stuff. Why not? We, we, well, I guess we can. <laughs> We're allowed to. Yeah. What's he going to do? Sue me? Yeah. Start his own fucking podcast if he wants to. Tell you, wants to hear about I'll something make different. Turkish Lord of the Rings. Oh God, no, not t- no Turkish <laughs> Lord of the Rings. So like, ah, uh, does it exist already? It doesn't exist already, but, like, Turkish people just can't engage. Like, none of my family have ever engaged with Lord of the Rings like a normal person. It's because like, of all the hand-holding. Yeah, my, my cousin... forehead kisses. My, my favourite bit was my cousin watching the Looks like meat's back on the menu, boys! scene, and being all like, Oh, they're Turkish people! And I was just like, <laughs> Christ! <laughs> like, he understood, like, the problematic aspects of Tolkien from that one scene that wasn't, I don't think is in the books, but... Um, <laughs> I mean, it's I've been heard a while the, since I read them. But, I've heard yeah. that the Orcish um, language was constructed specifically to have um, the same kind of... Um, like glottal stops and stuff as uh, Slavic languages tend to, because uh, mm. of course it was. Yeah, that's the problem with the fact that the like the fantasy author being a linguist, I mm-hmm. suppose. That he was very scientific of... in his racism in a way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well. Yeah. Well. Oh, there's a there, that's a whole that's a tangent whole and a half. Mm. <laughs> oh, sorry, uh, Rosencrantz, you had a question. Yeah. Go yeah, on. about Southeast Turkey, um, or I guess sure. more the the Kurdish area. Is there like an urban center? Because I know that um, I know that uh, Mosul and Ard- like Ardabil and all that stuff are um, more cities 
and in but those are outside of Turkey. Is there like a Turkish Kurdish city? Yes. Uh, in fact, this is part of the thing with the depopulation. So a lot of these people were forced into larger towns, mm-hmm. or they were, or they just went to Western Turkey. That's why there's uh, in the elections in Turkey in Istanbul, for example, you'll see a lot of votes for the HDP. I mean, or whichever party umbrella they're running under now, because they've technically been banned. Sort of. It's, it's a yeah. sort of a weird thing going on. But whichever the pro, and part of that is just like young Turkish people are not. They don't think gay should be illegal, so they vote for the party to make it legal. But also, like, there is a significant Kurdish population in Istanbul. But the, the biggest city in the southeast of Turkey is a city called Diyarbakir, mm-hmm. uh, which is, uh, so I think it's like 2 million people, something like that. It's a like country that. in EU4. It, yeah, it's, yes, it is. Uh, I think it's uh, near Hasan Kaifa. Um, or, yeah, I think it would be near Hasan Kaifa, which is actually, we did an episode, we did a bonus about Hasan Kaifa, or Hasan Kaif in Turkish. Mm-hmm. Um, because uh, it's a very, very old historic site that was ruined by a development project to build a dam. Uh, completely yeah. flooded the area. It's really sad. It was it, you oops. Know. Yeah, I mean, and this is a thing. Turkey has a lot of old school sort of stuff. But, oh, I can um, imagine. You, it, yeah, like and and Hasan Kaifa or Hasan Kaif or whatever. You know, it it's one. It was lots of different historic civilizations and cultures and stuff just all of their stuff was there and they just got just fucked it we'll never know about the hittites now well yeah yeah, well um most of the hittite stuff that's found out is in is in ankara anyway because that's what hatusha was so it's a the neo the neo hittite empire i think is pretty much the one being fucked because there is like this sort of project to develop the southeast and a lot of it is dams and it's weird but the southeast is also where all of the ancient archaeology stuff is mostly mm-hmm. like pre because it's like the gateway to the there. fertile crescent area and everything too yeah and and you know they keep finding like oldest um you know found settlements in like in in parts of turkey because you know i presume because we're just not we just haven't found the ones in the fertile crescent and stuff yeah you know, but, but yeah i mean mesopotamia has been going through a lot of uh conflict yeah, upheaval, I think, is the um, the polite way to describe what's going on there. But yeah, Diyarbakir um, is the largest city. And actually, part of the reason why it became so large is that these depopulations of villages happened. Because the, the sort of the Turkish state's thought is... Okay, so we have this group called the PKK, and they mostly operate in rural areas and in the mountains and hills of southeastern Turkey. And they're Maoists. And well, actually, no, I, no. They were more. They were Marxist-Leninist. They they didn't I follow see. the Maoist path. They were Marxist-Leninist. Uh, but they, but but they sort of thought, well, okay, we need to hit at their base of support, and they don't have as much of a base of support among urban Kurdish people. So mm-hmm. why don't we create urban Kurdish people by forcing them out of their villages and into the cities or away from there? Shockingly, this did not work particularly well. It did result in you know the genocide effectively which is which is which is really cool Um, it sounds like they treated the demographic shifting plan like you would in a video game being like ah this will reclass them as tradesmen and they'll no longer be part of this movement it's you yeah there's a reason why paradox games hits uh, such big hits in turkey for so you know because the state ideology is just how you would play a paradox game ideally right like it's but it's yeah it is it is precisely that they thought okay well if we move them into the cities but they didn't think about like what the incentives was how the pkk was building its base of support 
especially because they were doing this Mark Slanis thing, it turns out once you move people to the cities, it just concentrated people who were pissed off at the Turkish state into places where they were able to organize more effectively. Mm-hmm. Don't and have to so go like five villages away and stuff. Yeah, and like, and by the way, yeah, that is like parts of this, these parts of Turkey are already quite remote. Like, Turkey is a difficult country to move through. Southeast is probably one of the most difficult regions to move through. So yeah. Uh, and and there was another, and so they did another like, way. People keep stealing the bridges. Yeah, that's yeah. The people who keep stealing the bridges do make it a bit harder. And I think it's sort of important to note that like the PKK, not universally popular among Kurdish people, um, there were la- there were large Turkish, uh, sorry, large Kurdish landowners, and uh, so this is I, I sort of dislike this way of framing it, but it is the way that it's commonly framed, which is that there are Kurdish like clans and such. And a lot of them do have, like, animosity towards the PKK because, the, you know, the communism thing does kind of hit at, like, clan power structures, mm-hmm. if you like. So they're not, they're not terribly... A lot of them do kind of make accommodations with the PKK and they're like, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll support the HDP, we'll tell people to vote for them, but, you know, like, you're going to have to drop this communism thing when it comes to it. And they sort of, like, park it. They sort of delay the communism question in favor of, like, immediate cooperation. Mm-hmm. Which is, you know, fine. But there, And, you know, there are obviously anti-communists um, who existed in Kurdish society, particularly religious people, uh, social conservatives and religious people, and also some uh, reluctant people. And a lot of these people were sort of either forced or volunteered for a, um, a group, a sort of Turkish state-affiliated group called the Village Guards, who mm-hmm. are sort of like a rural militia Operating under the auspices of the Turkish gendarme, uh, gendarmerie, so yeah. military police, they operate under them officially, but they are basically there to sort of like a rapid response militia. Should the PKK attack a village or something, that's their sort of thing. But obviously, it immediately became an anti-communist shit show, and it's and you know some people were forced to serve in it, and it's a fucking fiasco from top to bottom. There's also the um, there's also an explicitly Islamist uh, political group called Hezbollah which is incredibly confusing if you're following the Middle East at the moment. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but it just means party of God. It's not like there yeah, are lots of parties lots of God. Of it's not, it's, that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's a thing. It's a thing. And for people who are wondering what the ideological route is there, um, Jamie, you'll remember. Do you remember that party who got mad at the granite tits? Yes. Yeah, it's, it's their route is in their sort of party's youth forget? movement. Yeah, the, the beautiful Istanbul statue. Where they got, so, uh, Rosenkreutz, you probably don't know, a, a coalition government in Turkey between the center-left Republican People's Party and this sort of far-right Islamist party called the National Salvation Party almost fell apart over the revealing of a statue that had bare tits. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Which is very normal, a very stable government's governing system, of course. Um, but yeah, this is, this is where their ideological roots are. And so you kind of see the sort of like, the, the, and by the way, Kurdish Hezbollah are a you know, pro-Kurdish autonomy. I think sometimes pro-Kurdish independence, it's a little complicated. Again, one of those things. But they, um, but they also have their roots in a broader historic Turkish movement of the 70s and 60s and 70s, really. It's Miligurish stuff. And and they and sort of like the Kurds wanted sort of it, it, the ones who were in this group wanted sort of like an Islamist Kurdish autonomy to be established, and they felt like the National Salvation Party would be open to that because they were fundamentally against a lot of the core, tr- the, you know, like established truths of the Turkish state at that point. 
mainly mm. secularism, but yeah, that was like kind of they their, like. Yeah, that was kind of their angle as to what they were kind of going for, forgetting that this was a party that was actually very Turkish nationalist in a way. And so I don't know what space they felt there was there, but they clearly felt there was. I'm just, I'm, I'm just saying that like I find it easier to understand why the Marxist-Leninist Kurds integrated so well into the broader left movement than I do with Kurdish Hezbollah integrating into the broader like Islamist movement in Turkey. I just I see it easier, and but maybe that's because I am a leftist and not an Islamist. Maybe that's maybe that's what it is. Uh, I should say that I think Kurdish Hezbollah are, are are at the moment probably being propped up by the Turkish state. Mm-hmm. Um, that I think they're trying. I think the goal is to try and split the Kurdish sort of like movement along. I've this never line. heard of this happening before in a country that has a marginal no, popula- population that's trying to seek its own independence. Yes, unheard of, but I do strongly suspect that's the case. And actually, um, I should, I, first of all, I want to say that there are Islamist and conservative Kurds. Uh, the southeast of Turkey is very, uh, quite socially conservative in a way that's almost out of step with other parts of Turkey, but still very much in step in a lot of ways. It's just a different flavor of social conservatism in a lot of ways. But also that the southeast of Turkey broadly votes for a party that wants to legalize gay marriage. So... There's a lot going on. It's a, a it's land a of lot. contrasts. Yes. Um, they, they basically love Kurdistan and their sort of right to exist as people more than they hate gay people, is how I read that. Which I think, you know, I, I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. I'll take it. Um, and I, sh- I should say, and, and, you know, and this is sort of reflected because the AKP used to have very, very big support in the southeast of Turkey. In fact, Erdogan's first parliamentary seat was in the southeast of Turkey. Uh, it was Sirt, I think it was, where he um, he ran in a by-election, and the AKP basically wiped everyone out in the southeast uh, electorally, of course. Mm-hmm. And then the HDB came and wiped them out because you know they were like, "Wow, a party that's pro-Kurdish that is didn't immediately get into bed with fascists? Hell yeah, let's let's vote for those people." And obviously that does lead to the sort of bizarre situation where a Republican People's Party candidate wins the most votes in the southeast of Turkey for president, despite the fact that Kurdish people there still think they did genocide to them. Well, they think that it's true. They did. The party did do genocide to them. But that's an objective fact at this point. Yeah. But yeah, there's... Um, but yeah, Kurdish Hezbollah, are, and I should say, I, one of the reasons I believe Kurdish Hezbollah is an op is that there are now Hezbollah MPs in the Turkish parliament who got in via an alliance with the AKP. So obviously they don't run as Turkish Hezbollah, they run as Kurdish Hezbollah, they run as uh, Hudapar. Um, but like, Controlled they, we talked yeah, I mean, we, they're, they're, I think they, they're part of the confidence and supply agreement in the parliament that props up the AKP. Mm. But it's, uh, it doesn't really matter. Like the president can rule by decree in most matters, anyway. But yeah, I think I think I mentioned this when we did our post-election episode, where I was like, "We have Hezbollah MPs now. That never used to happen. What's going on?" And and sort sort of the executive summary is that Turkey has managed to elect all sorts of fucking weird right wingers to its parliament, the likes of which it's almost never had before in some cases. So it's it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out in the long run, I guess. And but, who are we blaming for that? Uh, Trump. Probably Mince, I would say. <laughs> um, but who are we blaming for that? Actually, I'm probably blaming the military coup for this. 
and the culture that it brought out. But but in the, you know in the long run, I, I would say that like part of the reason why uh, the PKK moved to its sort of like armed revolution phase is because of the coup. Because the mm-hmm. PKK was founded in 1978, uh, before the military coup, and it was just at the time one of these sort of like marginal left groups that had a particular sort of like focused on Kurdish issues, you know, Kurdistan Works Party, it would, right? But once the military coup came in and banned all the left-wing parties and made, you know, trade unions illegal and stuff like that, suddenly there's no political path to do anything you want, either for the, for the you know, Kurdish Hezbollah or for the PKK. And so you make this sort of violent confrontation with the state much more likely. And so that's... And I think in the long run, honestly, that, like, there will probably be an independent Kurdistan um, through through some series of pressures, or at least some sort of like autonomous region in Turkey. There's no way for that pressure to sort of be released otherwise. There could be five of them. F- there c- well, yeah, it's not impossible, I suppose, for there to be five Kurdistans. <laughs> I'm seeing double for the five Kurdistans. Kurdistans. <laughs> yeah. Um. If it was four, I could have done four Kurdistans, Jeremy. Four, that's insane. Ah, <laughs> oh, but alas. Um, but yeah, it's... it's um, yeah, I, I just... I have this sort of sense that a lot of this began with the military coup. The military coup forced a lot of people's hands. And there was this sort of brief attempt at sort of like a peace process, ceasefires, secret negotiations that became public. Very Northern Ireland in that way. You know, there, there was a feeling for a while that maybe there was some sort of political settlement to be had, and then it just got blown the fuck up by uh, Erdogan sort of having to pander to Turkish nationalism in order to keep his his sort of political appeal as broad as possible. So he essentially said, Where the, the Kurds have nowhere to go, electorally or politically, so I'm free to sort of tell them to fuck off, and they'll still vote for me. And then, of course, they found their own party that they then fucked off to. So, you know... Lessons learned. But this actually, is the same if anything, time, this is the oh, same sorry. time that he shifted from being kind of uh, reliant on liberal support. Yeah, I, I, there, basically after his second election, the, he didn't need the liberal support anyway. Mm-hmm. Like he he'd won by such he, the AKP were winning by such like massive numbers that it didn't really matter. And also, liberals were more invested, I think, in the sort of, like, feeling that they were becoming, like, a developed Western economy. Yeah, yeah. They, they liked the vibes of it, as opposed to, like, any of the actual policies. And, you, and like, there's a sort of joke, because, like, my mum my went to sort of a school where a lot of the graduates end up becoming these sort of fancy middle-class liberal types eventually. And there's sort of a joke, which is that, like, at dinner parties, everyone says they hate the AKP, but someone's voting for them, right? Mm-hmm. Like some, mm-hmm. and it's and it's and it's you know, it's often the people at those dinner parties who are voting for them, and and you got and you know they did dangle EU membership, and that's a big sort of liberal thing in Turkey where they're like, oh, we want the EU membership because then we've validated our national project as becoming European. We are European now. We're white. You know, you should just, mm-hmm. you should just do away with the fucking EU. Like it causes nothing but problems. Oh I, yeah, like I'm I'm with you 100% on that. I'm not I'm I'm just I'm fed up with it. Frankly, it's a project. I think it's done. I think that's, we should replace we... it with Eurovision. Actually, well, that would include Australia. I don't know how I feel. Like yeah, we need to change real. who gets into Eurovision first. And yeah. Then... yeah. Yeah, let's <laughs> let's get let's get Turkey back, Israel and Australia out. And yeah. then I think we could talk. Um 
But yeah, it's oh god, Tur- I wish Turkey would send another act. They keep the 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 one rock band in Turkey keeps offering to go, and I think because they had like one very very good result there, and they just they just want to relive the glory days, and I kind of mm-hmm. like that. I like that they're trying, you know. They they were a new metal band. It was incredible <laughs> to see like new metal performed in on Eurovision, and it actually land really Turkish well. Turkish second. It's, it was so good. Like, the, the music was actually really, really good. And they, uh, I think I saw a list, an article of, like, top 100 new metal albums of all time. And they got number 35 for their first album. Because That's it was bad. really good. Yeah, it was really good. Um, some of the lyrics I'm just staggered weird. by the idea that there's 100 new metal albums. I don't think I could name oh. more than 10. <laughs> oh, Jamie. I mean, to be fair, they do include, like, Slipknot and System of a Down and stuff like that. Well, I guess System right. of a Down makes sense. But they do include Slipknot and that. And so, so, like, that tells you how big the definition of new metal is. Because I don't even think Slipknot really I mean, when, into I don't, that I back wouldn't then. Say, I wouldn't say this from a downward. When you say new metal, I think of, like, fucking Limp Biscuit and, and Cold and Chamber. Puck and, yeah, like, yeah. Um, it's, I it's think kind I of think nebulous. Thing, yeah, yeah, new metal, nebulous. And <laughs> I think that's a strong note to end this episode about the, uh, the sort of <laughs> beginning of the armed resistance of Kurdish people. Well, the modern armed resistance of Kurdish people that's still ongoing. Uh, that's a nice note to end on. New metal, it's nebulous. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, everyone, uh, if you enjoyed that, you can catch us all on the bonus episode, which is available on the Patreon. Uh, Rosenkreutz, would you like to tell everyone again where everyone can find you and all of your excellent stuff? Yeah, um, the only good things I make are on YouTube, and uh, it would be at R-O-S-E-N-C-R-E-U-T-Z. Uh, that's how you spell the name. Uh, otherwise you could just look it up by probably finding a video that calls me um, a midwit or a cuck in the comments <laughs> <laughs> alright uh, it's been great having you on hope you had a good time yeah yeah it's yeah. been great yeah I mean well yeah Jamie I wasn't you know I know you had a good time you always <laughs> have a good time you know <laughs> you're paid to have a good time <laughs> um, you're anyway, paid we're, we're... <laughs> Well, uh, well. Anyway, it's, t- it's time to it's time to go. It's time to go, everyone. <laughs> Bye. See ya.